Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast from March 7th, 2018. And hopefully people are actually listening to this podcast because Matt and I did record a podcast Monday night for Tuesday Slate, uh, but Matt accidentally deleted it. All is forgiven. We did give out all of the GPP winning picks, and nobody could say otherwise. Are you sure it was an accident? Maybe I just didn't like it. Well, people know if, if they look at the if they look at the GPP leaderboards tonight, and you're in first and everything, then I think there was uh, I think there was some foul play in that situation. Yeah, I didn't want. I I decided after the fact that I didn't want anyone to use our picks for this slate because they were just too good. So yeah, had to go ahead and delete that one. Uh, so yeah, hopefully people are actually listening to this one. Hopefully Matt doesn't delete it again. Uh, but uh, honestly, I didn't even end up playing. Tuesday night slate because I thought it was kind of a shitty one. Uh, so Wednesday hopefully ends up being a little bit better. We do have some guys on the injury report. Uh, first game on the slate, the Utah Jazz, the Indiana Pacers. From the Utah side of the game, uh, Rudy Gobert has been really, really good recently. Uh, he's priced up to 8400 It is kind of a slightly negative matchup, which is a little bit surprising because the Pacers were really bad against centers for most of the season. I think that they were as high as ranked, maybe even worst against centers, maybe like a quarter way through the season. Uh, so Rudy Gobert has been really good recently, so it's hard to ignore the recent form. But I think that his GPP ownership could be a little bit driven up just based on how well he's played recently. There's also only a 201-point total for this game, so I'm good with fading Gobert and GPPs. I think he's safe enough to roster in cash games just because he's playing a ton of minutes and playing really well recently. From the Pacers side of the game, generally I don't like to ever target players against the Jazz. But this is a super cheap price for Victor Oladipo, all the way down to 8300 He also has been just a little bit underpriced in general over the last week or so. Uh, I think that Oladipo is worth looking at in GPPs just because of how cheap he is. Would you be on board with rostering Oladipo even in a matchup against the Jazz, Matt? Yeah, I actually think Oladipo is probably a better play than Gobert for roughly the same price because Gobert has been so good the last, I guess it's really the last two games have been massive for him that he'll probably be more highly owned than Oladipo. But Oladipo is a better fantasy player than Gobert anyway. It's just the matchup that we're concerned with. Uh, The one thing that could change that is if Derek Favors doesn't end up playing because he is questionable, right? So maybe that's a bit of a boost rebounding wise for Gobert. And it also could mean the Jazz play more small ball, so that could be a boost for Oladipo. And then maybe we have to consider a few more Utah guys that would get those extra favors minutes. Yeah, I'm trying to look up. Uh, so last game, uh, Jonas Jerebko started in place of favors. Off the top of my head, Jerebko's made quite a few starts this year, and he's kind of just been a marginal player by and large part as a starter. Let's see here the numbers. He started 18 games this year. He's averaging 21 minutes per game as a starter, scoring 17 fantasy points. So he's not really that exciting to roster. It's kind of a low floor, low ceiling type play. And it's funny, actually, because last game he played 20 minutes, scored 20 fantasy points. So what's he priced at? 3,500. I mean, like if you really need a punt play, you could use him if he starts in place of favors. But I don't really think that's a particularly great play. They'll probably will end up being better value plays. Yeah, I don't really have much interest in Drebko, but I think if Favors sits, it's a boost to Oladipo if the Jazz are playing more small ball and playing a little faster. 
it's a boost to Gobert because he could get a few extra rebounds that Favors would ordinarily get. And then I think Jay Crowder might be worth considering with those extra minutes. He's been playing pretty well, and the Jazz don't have Rodney Hood. They don't have Joe Johnson. Um, I think Joe Ingles might be someone that people consider, but he's really expensive now. So I think it's a boost to all three of those guys, but definitely Gobert and Oladipo are the guys to target, and I would be even more inclined to use them if Favors doesn't end up playing. Yeah, I think I think Crowder could be an interesting play. Do you have in front of you how many minutes did Crowder play last game with uh, Favors out? Uh, it is loading now. He played 28 minutes. That's basically what he's been playing the whole season. But he also wasn't playing well at all last game. He shot one for nine from the field. So maybe maybe it's reasonable to say that if he, if he had been playing better, then he may have played more minutes. If Crowder's having a decent game, maybe he could play 35 minutes because he has reached 30 minutes a few times since he was traded to the Jazz. I think twice he's played at least 30 minutes. So with Favors out, at least there's more upside for Crowder. But I think he could just end up on the bench more if he's not playing well. I guess it's kind of a risk-reward pick. One thing that's pretty notable about Crowder from looking at his game log is his usage rating is way higher on the Jazz than it was on the Cavs. So if he's going to maybe get a couple extra minutes with Favors out, I think he's a pretty good play in that situation. Uh, next game on the slate, the Houston Rockets at the Milwaukee Bucks. Tail end of a back-to-back for the Rockets. They played a game against the Thunder and won pretty handily. The Rockets have also now won 16 games in a row. Uh, I think Clint Capella is an, is a pretty good play individually just because the Bucks are so poor against centers and 7,100 is a little cheap for Capella. Usually I like to pair him with Harden or Chris Paul, but... I don't really think that either one of them are particularly good plays for this slate because of some of the other high-priced guys that we're going to talk about. So Harden and Paul tail into a back-to-back in a kind of tough matchup. I don't really have any interest in rostering them. From the Bucks side of the game, I like Jabari Parker again. He's not in a back-to-back situation this time. So we saw last couple of games just 24 and 21 minutes, but that was back-to-back where he played both sides. I think we see him get back up to 27, 28 minutes or so. And at 4700 I think he's a pretty solid value play in what should be an up-pace game. Yeah, so I think those are really the only two guys to roster from this game. Parker was sort of okay in his last game, but yeah, second half of a back-to-back. Maybe this is the first time we see him playing over 30 minutes. So Parker has a lot of upside, and then I think you're probably right about Capella without Paul and Harden, but... I don't think I really like Capella that much for this game anyway, even though the Bucks are weakest against centers. It's still the second half of a back-to-back on the road. Maybe Capella's minutes aren't as secure for this game. And I think there might just be better picks in that price range, so maybe he's someone to have a little bit of exposure to. But I do definitely prefer him to using any of the other Rockets guys. Um, and then I think Giannis makes sense to at least consider at 10400 It's still a little cheap for him. There are some really good guys to pay up for on this slate, but Giannis has a ton of upside there. So if you're making a lot of lineups, I would definitely have some Giannis, but I don't think he'll be a core target for either of us. Yeah, I I, I doubt that Giannis will, and like if he is in my player pool, it'll be in just like a couple of lineups. But I mean, once we get down to some of the other guys that that we have to talk about paying up for, I just think they're much stronger targets in the expensive range. Uh, next game, the Memphis Grizzlies at the Chicago Bulls. So, interesting situation for the Bulls because the league gave them a warning 
for not playing Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. I guess they said it violates the NBA's tanking rules. How bad your your team roster has to be that it's assumed you're tanking because you're not playing Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday is awful, and I even I I think that you can make a case that he shouldn't be playing. Anyway, I think Zach Levine's better than him. I think David Nwaba's better than him. And I think Denzel Valentine's better than him. And they all play the same position as Justin Holiday. So Justin Holiday's probably the fourth player on the depth chart at their position. Now they're forced to play him because they're not supposed to tank, which I just kind of think is ridiculous. But what that's going to make difficult for the Bulls is now they have all these guys they have to play. I, I kind of think that kills the value on everybody. And then in addition, a game against the Grizzlies, it should be relatively slow-paced. I I don't really think there's anybody worth targeting on either side of this game. Marcus Sol has gone up to 8,200. Once again, I think there's just going to be better guys to pay up for. So I'm I'm off this game. Yeah, we don't have a Vegas line for this game yet because of all the uncertainty with both sides. Um, I'll say I'm, I'm with you that this is a game to fade unless we get injury updates. Because there are some questionable players on both sides. I think Jarrell Martin is probably the key guy. And if Justin Holiday doesn't end up playing for whatever reason, then the Bulls are more viable. But it's still not really a great spot in a down pace game. Although Memphis is very bad defensively. Um, so I think it's more of a wait and see. I think some guys in this game could become decent plays. I'm um, just pulling up the price on some of the point guards for the Grizzlies. Because they still don't have Chalmers or... Tyreek Evans or Andrew Harrison, but Kobe Simmons is up to 4,100. And then uh, Rathen Mays is at 3,700. And, and Macklemore is back for this game because Macklemore sat last game. Yeah, so that hurts all of those guys. And all of them are cheap, but they're not cheap enough really where... And they're all bad. Yeah, they're, they're all bad. If, if any of them were min-priced, if they were all... If any of those guys were under 3,500, I think I would like them. But there's probably not much value in any of them because they're all pretty bad. They're going to cut into each other's minutes and the prices aren't really quite as cheap as some of the other punt plays that we've mentioned. I guess a couple more that might just open up because of injuries. All right. Next game is the Toronto Raptors at the Detroit Pistons. The Raptors are also playing on the tail end of a back-to-back, but shouldn't really affect the starters too much because they didn't have to play much on Tuesday night. They beat the Hawks pretty handily, and the bench actually ended up playing more minutes than the starters. Kyle Lowry only played 22 minutes. So I think Lowry at 7,200, that's really cheap for him. This game should be more competitive than the game was Tuesday night, so I'm good with rostering Lowry at such a cheap price. Jonas Valanciunas, I think at 5,500, is a decent GPP play. Going up against the really big front court of the Pistons, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, I think they could potentially have to play Valanciunas a couple extra minutes. He did play almost 30 minutes the other day going up against Dwight Howard. So kind of a similar type matchup against Drummond. I think we could see something like that from him again. From the Piston side of the game, even though this is a tough matchup, I still just think 7,900 is probably too cheap for Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond at 9,500. It is a plus matchup. The Raptors are really good defensively. They're among the top at limiting fantasy points to every single position other than centers. So I think that Drummond is a decent play, and I still like Blake Griffin. The other thing, too, the Pistons are really fighting for a playoff spot. So any game that's somewhat competitive, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are both playing close to 40 minutes. Yeah, I think we also have to adjust the matchup or what we think of it, because it is a road game, so it's a little bit of a boost or downgrade, I guess, to Toronto's defense. So boost to Detroit. 
And the second half of the back-to-back, while it's not as important because the game was a blowout the night before, it still matters a little bit. I mean, there's still travel involved, and it's second half of a road back-to-back, which is usually the more important version of back-to-backs. So I think it's a little bit of a boost to the Pistons, who are are already a little underpriced. Um, I don't have a ton of interest in the Toronto side. I think if you're stacking the game, I'd use Lowry and I'd use Valanciunas, but they're probably kind of just marginal otherwise, and there are a lot of good value plays that we still haven't even gotten to. Um, But on Detroit, yeah, I think Griffin and Drummond, especially Griffin, are too cheap for an underrated matchup. And then also Ish Smith has been priced way down. Um, What do you think of him? Because this is the first time in quite a while he's been below 5,000 on DraftKings. Uh, I I did roster him a little bit when he played the Cavs the other day, and I think that he was right around a similar-ish type price. Uh, Let me see what his minutes and production have been like recently. His minutes have been a little bit down but they've also gotten blown out uh, quite a bunch of times. His usage is way down since Blake Griffin came there. Uh, I'm, I, th- I think I'm probably just off Ish Smith. It's also a difficult matchup. Yeah, he's had a couple big games, but it, there's just so little consistency. So I think he's someone also who I would include in some game stacks if you're going that route, but I wouldn't use him otherwise. All right, the next game on the slate, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings. I think this is a very good game to target. From the Pelican side of the game, uh, Anthony Davis. I think there's a really tough choice between Anthony Davis and LeBron James if you can only roster one of them. I think for GPP, I'm probably like the reason I'm not on Harden, the reason I'm not on Giannis is just because I think Anthony Davis and LeBron are both such strong plays in the same price range. Uh, just also something to compare to. FanDuel has priced Anthony Davis up to 13000 for tomorrow's All right, Greg, I'm going to cut you off because we're, it looks like Anthony Davis just got hurt or is going to the locker room for some reason. Should we uh, should we update what's happening here? Uh, well, Anthony Davis goes to the locker room quite frequently during basketball yeah, He games. might have to go to the bathroom. Uh, so maybe just uh, continue and we'll give the contingencies for what happens if Anthony Davis is hurt. Um. I think I think we could give contingencies if Anthony Davis gets hurt, even if this ends up being nothing. That's that's but, true, also. But so Anthony Davis at eleven thousand three hundred, uh, assuming he plays, because I think he's only in play if he plays. <laughs> he's. Uh, I, I think that it's worth splitting exposure to him and LeBron and not using any of the other expensive guys. Um, for cash games. Boy, that's really like I think I still just lean LeBron in cash games. I just think he's safer than Anthony Davis, especially because as we just saw right here, Anthony Davis could go to the locker room at any point in time. LeBron doesn't really have that same in-game injury risk. Anthony Davis does tend to be one of the more higher variance players in the league. So if you could only use one and you're trying to be safe, LeBron's a little safer. Also from the Pelican side of the game. Rajon Rondo, I think uh, Drew Holiday, both fine plays. Etwan Morris is only 4,200. I think he's in play. From the Kings side of the game, we have Scal is questionable to play. So if he's out, that would mean more minutes for guys like Costa Kuvis and Zach Randolph. And then something else, too, is with the Bulls getting that warning about resting players, I kind of assume that that message goes out to every other team in the league where it's kind of like, hey, this thing where we're just resting healthy players – it doesn't fly anymore. 
So I would be really surprised if the Kings keep resting players. If if the Kings rest like Zebo tomorrow, that's such a ballsy move by them right after the Bulls got that warning. So I think heading into lock, if Scal is still questionable, I would be off Scal, and Zebo would be my favorite play on the Kings. Uh, I also think Buddy Heald is in play for game stacks. He's been playing better recently in more consistent minutes. Uh, Buddy Heald has been a pretty solid GPP play for a lot of the season, just because he's a lot of upside and a lot of downside also. He seems to either go under 20 fantasy points or like 35-plus fantasy points and not really a lot of games in between. So 5,200 for Buddy Heald, it, it's just kind of a hedge in between his two possible outcomes. Either going to be way below that or way over. So that's a good look for GPPs. Yeah, I think Heald and Randolph are definitely the targets. I think Costa Kufis potentially, but he's probably more at risk to rest than Randolph. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Kufis is in play also. Scal is probably in play if we know that he's playing, but that doesn't seem likely that we'll know before lock. And then I guess we'll just have to wait and see what's going on with Anthony Davis. But should we speculate at least for a minute what it would mean if he's out? Because the Pelicans haven't played any games this year with both Davis and Cousins not there. I would think it's a huge boost for Miritich and then a huge boost for Drew Holiday. I'm not sure how much of a boost it would be for Rondo, though, because it's possible that a lot of his assist numbers would just go down without Anthony Davis to throw lobs to. So do you think it would be Holiday and Miritich would be probably two of the best value plays on the slate if Davis is out? Well, we do now know that Anthony Davis has a hip injury and is in the locker room. So while we don't have an update, I would say that as we're doing it right now, there's probably pretty considerable risk of Anthony Davis not playing for tomorrow's game. Drew Holiday, I think, if that is the case, would become one of the stronger value plays on the slate because they would just they would need him to soak up a ton of usage. Uh, Miritich probably would start. He would get a lot of usage and play a ton of minutes. I still think Rondo would be a really strong play because we have seen before that when the Pelicans do have injuries they will tend to lean on Rondo more. The other thing also is if Anthony Davis doesn't come back for the second half of the game, I think that that'll just be something to pay attention to. How do the Pelicans break up the minutes and what does the usage look like for the second half of the game? Yeah, Rondo probably will be the most popular player on the slate if Anthony Davis is out. He may be anyway because it's a revenge game in Sacramento, and I think what you're saying is true anyway. But just looking at the usage numbers, uh, Miritich and Holiday get enormous bumps in their usage rates. When, um, when Davis and Cousins are both off the floor. Uh, Miritich goes from about 21.5% to almost 32%. Holiday is about 23% to about 32%. But Etwan Moore also has about a 28% usage rate when, um, when Davis and Cousins are both off the floor. That was before Miritich was on the team, probably for most of that sample, so maybe 28 is a little excessive. But I think Etwan Moore would have to be a really strong play too. Um, this is already probably the best stack spot on the slate by far. But if Davis doesn't play, I think it almost wouldn't make sense to have any other lineups where you're doing anything else besides stacking this game because there's just so much individual player value on both sides potentially. And it just it just makes sense to have more correlation by combining it together. So this would be a very, very strong game to focus on. And it already is one anyway, even if Davis does end up being fine. By the way, uh, guess who leads the Pelicans in fantasy points per minute with Davis and Cousins off the floor this year? Is it Rondo? It is Rondo. Yeah, but I, I still think I'd prefer Miritich. Um, they're about the same price. 
Well, I think I think just roster. I think you roster both. Of you them. definitely would want to roster a lot of both of them. Um, I'd be. I'm definitely concerned that Rondo could be 60 percent owned or something, and at 6,400, I think there would have to be some bust potential. So Holiday at 8,100, I think is safer. Miritich at Miritich is less expensive than Rondo. Um, so if I had to rank them in terms of expected ownership for me. Assuming that Davis is out, it would be Miritich, then Holiday, then Rondo. But all three would be strong plays. Yeah, I like all of them. I think all of them would be, I think all three would be very highly owned anyway. But I, I think that they would be good enough plays for GPP that it probably doesn't matter. And then definitely for cash games, they would all be in play. Uh, so the next game on the slate, the Cleveland Cavaliers with the Denver Nuggets. Kind of touched on him a little bit before. I think LeBron's a very strong play. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is at 6,300. So a little bit more expensive than he was before, but I still think really strong play on Nance. I'm not exactly sure what's a fair baseline price to set him at, but considering how good he looked last game playing alongside LeBron, he got a ton of rebounds. He got a ton of easy bucks. I think he had seven dunks in the first half. I think 6300 is probably still too cheap for Nance. I think we could see him m- maybe as high as like 75 to 7500 to maybe even as high as 8000, but just kind of a guess. There's nothing, there's no real science behind that. I'm just kind of basing it on he scored a lot of points in his last game, so maybe that's a little bit of a recency bias. Uh, but I, I also just think Nance is really good, and I think he's much better than Tristan Thompson. I think he's going to play himself into a starting role for the Cavs. Uh, so LeBron's in play, Nance in play. Rodney Hood at 4,800. He started last game for the Cavs. He ended up playing. Uh, he played 30 minutes and scored 23.75 fantasy points. That game was also a blowout, so it stands to reason he could have probably played a couple more minutes. So as long as he starts again, I think that Hood's a good play, 4,800. I think George Hill's in play, 4,700. I think this is another really stackable game. From the Nuggets side of the game, figuring out their minutes is really difficult and figure out the production is really difficult with Paul Millsap there. Nikola Jokic sat for almost the entire second half Tuesday night's game and it was a game they lost in. I don't really know what Mike Malone is thinking a lot of the time. Jokic has really struggled since Millsap came back. Uh, I think that Millsap is the strongest play of any of the Nuggets starters because I said this before, I think that the price is going to go up. Millsap got into some foul trouble, so he actually only ended up playing 20 minutes because he picked up five fouls, but he still scored 30 fantasy points. 6,100, too cheap for Millsap in a plus matchup, so I think he is in play. As a stack, though, there just aren't enough players that I like on the Nuggets to stack the game, so I think the better stack spot is New Orleans at Sacramento. Yeah, and especially if Anthony Davis is out. But one thing that could help this game a little, if Jeff Green doesn't play again, then that's a little bit of a boost to Rodney Hood. I guess it would definitely ensure that he starts again. Maybe that's more minute security for Larry Nance. LeBron's a great play regardless. Um, And then I guess Millsap and Jokic are both strong values for their upside. Millsap more just still too cheap. Jokic, a lot of upside, and he could be pretty low-owned after that bad performance. But there's definitely some negative correlation of using Millsap and Jokic together. Um, They're both high-usage players, and they sort of seem to be cutting into each other's minutes or more so Millsap just taking Jokic's minutes. So yeah, I think you're right. This game isn't really stackable, even though there are probably four or five pretty strong values that would just kind of make sense to use individually. 
All right, last game on the slate, the Orlando Magic at the L.A. Lakers. Uh, from the Magic side of the game, I think uh, Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon are both in play. They've been getting more playing time recently. I think that the minutes restriction that they had coming back from injuries is kind of off them now. So I think that they are both usable from the Lakers side of the game. I like Lonzo Ball a lot in this spot. He struggled last game. But it was also in a tough matchup against the Blazers. I think Lonzo Ball from the start of the season to now is probably one of the more improved players in the league. Like, I don't know if people really remember how much he struggled at the beginning of the year, but he was really not good. And I, I really think he's a solid player right now and is probably going to be a top 20 to 30 or so DFS scoring player next season when he's a, a full year under his belt running the offense. So I think that he's a really good play also against the Magic, who are allowing the third most fantasy points to point guards this year. Um, I think that Julius Randle's a good play. KCP's a good play. Brooke Lopez is a good play for GPPs. Uh, the minutes are not necessarily secure for him, but at 4,800, there's a lot of upside. We saw that from him uh, last game against the Blazers, even in a tough matchup. He scored over 30 fantasy points. So I, I think this is another game that has a pretty good amount of staffing potential. Yeah, I do think that there is at least a little bit of blowout risk here because the Magic just aren't very good, but the point spread is only seven. It opened at six, so it's a move towards the Lakers. Um, Orlando is healthy now, so that gives them more of a chance to keep the game close. But the Pelicans-Kings game is just so much stronger of a stack spot, even though this game is a higher total, that I think it might make more sense to just get some Lakers exposure, not really use the Orlando side, and kind of just take advantage of all those Lakers guys being a little too cheap with Brandon Ingram out. Um, so I don't really think I'll be stacking the game, but I do think there are a bunch of Lakers guys that are in play, like Caldwell Pope and Lopez, Isaiah Thomas even, Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle. They're all kind of just underpriced. I think Kuzma's still in play probably at 6,100, although he might just miss the cut because there's so many other good choices. So I think I'll be very light on the Orlando side and then kind of just mix in one or two of those Lakers guys per lineup. I think I agree with you that Lonzo Ball, pro I think he has the most upside of any of those players, maybe Randall, but both of them both of them have as much scoring potential as anyone in that price range. Uh, so which, um, what, what do you think is your priority for stacking games tomorrow? I guess it's hard to know without knowing Anthony Davis, so maybe it was a bad question. <laughs> well, if we assume Anthony Davis is out, I think it's going to be a lot of LeBron with that game because the stack of the Kings Pelicans game, if Davis isn't playing is going to be really inexpensive. So you're going to have a lot of salary to pay up for LeBron. I think that kind of just would work out well. And if Davis does end up playing, then it would just be use Davis in game stacks and then kind of probably have less LeBron and then go with more of the Lakers value plays. And then guys like Larry Nance and Rodney hood. So I don't know. Do you have any disagreement with that or is it, Kind of just heavy LeBron if Davis is out, and then heavy Davis if he's in. Yeah, so here's the uh, the other thing also. There's going to be such a bias against Anthony Davis if he is able to play tomorrow. If like Here's what I think is the optimal situation for Anthony Davis' ownership uh, tomorrow. He doesn't come back for the second half of tonight's game, and then he plays tomorrow. Right, because everyone will be scared to roster him then. That would definitely be the best case situation to use Anthony Davis. It would be uh, better than if he returns for the second half. 
based on some highlights I saw of the injury and the way he walked off the court, I'm assuming he's not going to play tomorrow. But I, I've seen more ridiculous things from Anthony Davis. I think he a lot of his injuries end up looking more dramatic than they actually are. But just kind of at the first look, I'm going to guess he's out tomorrow. Well, another thing that's important is that the Pelicans are in the midst of a playoff race. But this game is against the Kings, so it's not like they're playing any of the teams that they're competing for playoff spots with. So maybe they'd be more inclined to sit him out than, let's say, if the game was against the Blazers or the Nuggets or the Clippers or some other team that's close to the eight seed. So, I don't know, maybe maybe they take it a little easier because they figure they can beat the Kings anyway without him. Uh, yeah, I was just looking for some more updates on Anthony Davis, but nothing yet. Uh, so... That will finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back tomorrow.